As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Following the call of God, an interview with Sister Melissa Dwyer. So we're coming to you again from ACYF, and we're joined here today with Sister Melissa Dwyer, who works in the vocations, um, in uh, Brisbane vocations. Um, so Sister, welcome to Cradio, and thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Um, so to start off with, I heard, Sister, uh, from a friend of mine, <laughs> who's heard your story, that you have an amazing story um, of your time when you were a, a principal in Malawi. Yeah, that's right. I just spent eight years in Malawi, which is a wow. really small Eastern African country. Yep. Malawi was actually the poorest country in the world in 2016, oh based on gross domestic profit. Wow. Yet the people there, even though they've got nothing materially, what really touched my heart was that they are so full of joy. Oftentimes, wow. the only things they have are their faith, but they have that faith that's so strong. You know, you mm-hmm. see people in a church, they've got no shoes, and yet they're dancing and singing and praising God. And oh it's so gosh. humbling for me who has everything at my disposal. Mm. And yet sometimes when you've got so much, you can become grumpy and ungrateful. So the African experience was fantastic. The people of Malawi, I loved them so much. Mm. And as you said, Don, I was in a school. Uh, it's a secondary school run mm. by the Kenoshan Daughters of Charity. Yep. And I was principal of that school for seven years. We had 550 students. It was a girls' school and a boarding school. Wow. So being a boarding school is pretty hardcore yep. because the students are there all the time. That's right. And, uh, you know, the school terms in Australia, school terms usually about 10 weeks. Yeah. Over there, there's 16-week terms. Wow. So it's really, really long. Wow. And the school days themselves are also so long. The girls okay. wake up at 3.30 every morning. 3.30 a.m.? Yeah, 3.30 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And they have to be in class at 5 a.m. Wow. And then you might think, well, they have start early because they finish early because it's so hot, but that's not the case. They actually finish school at 9 o'clock every night. Wow, so the whole day is school. Absolutely. And they only have short breaks for, like, morning tea and lunch and dinner. They're in wow. groups. They're doing work. They're revising. They're studying. And why they do that? is because they're so desperate for education. Mm. Over in Africa, people are so aware that education is the only way out of poverty. Mm. So the students are desperate to learn and desperate to get to university. And being girls, they fight against gender equality because even today in Africa, 30% of the places at university are for girls and 70% are for guys. So as an African girl child, you don't have opportunities to even possibly progress to post-secondary education. So these girls have got their families relying on them, Mm. often their villages relying on them as well. So they're desperate to learn. Wow, that's amazing. I'm just thinking like, um, can you share, have you you ever like caught up with any of the students after school and, and seen where they've gone afterwards? It's been so encouraging. And I think for me, that was the highlight of my whole eight years in Africa was when you see these girls achieve their dreams. When I first went to the school there, we had only two students who managed to get to university. By the time I finished, seven years later, we had 60 girls qualifying for university, which was such a blessing. That's amazing. Because that was the whole thing about empowering young girls to a brighter future. Mm. So that was why I worked so hard, you know, oftentimes on four hours 
sleep a night, yeah. you don't get a chance to rest. The only time I was, would rest is when I came back to Australia every three years uh, for a holiday. Yeah. So you push so hard and you give so much of yourself because you really want to be a catalyst in these girls' lives mm. to help them to achieve their dreams. That was the greatest joy for me, yeah. was seeing them get to university. Because if they get to university, then they go on. And I've seen students become doctors. I've seen students become lawyers. I've seen students achieve those dreams. And, mm. and to have a chance, for God to give me that opportunity to make a difference and to have a chance to play a role in the lives of these students, I was so blessed. You know, it's like that scripture where it says, you know, you give up something and you receive a hundredfold. I think in my life as a, a religious sister, I receive a hundredfold and then some. Oh my gosh. You know, as you're, as you're t- talking about this um, idea of like studying from five to nine, I'm just thinking in my head, how do the teachers have the time to come up with lesson planning? Absolutely. And over there, you might teach, you know, so many lessons a week as well, because yeah. in a school of 550 girls, you've only got 20 teachers. Oh my so gosh. you've got classes of, I had a grade 12 English class of 120 girls. Wow. So you can imagine when you're marking exams, yeah. you've got 120 girls in your class. Like that's full on. And as you said, you've got to do lesson plans. You know, the teachers work so hard and uh, I was very demanding of them and expected <laughs> them to work hard. So I was a really tough principal, but uh, I really believed also in treating my staff with justice because I'm conscious that they have to support their families as well. Mm. So, yeah, it's really long hours. Teachers would be in the class at 5 a.m. When it was close to exams, they would be revising with students. And by the way, this is six days a week, eh? So you've got education also on Saturdays. On Sundays, the girls sleep in, which means they get up at 5 a.m. So 5 a.m. is a sleep in. Yeah. (laughs) That is incredible. Oh, my gosh. And this is probably going to sound a little bit, you know, different, but... You're currently working with um, Brisbane Vocations. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, that line of work now? Yeah, so my life has kind of turned on its head in the last couple of years. I would have never thought that I would be back here uh, in Australia. I dreamt of growing old and getting buried in Africa and giving my life there as a missionary. But, you know, when you follow Christ with your life, you surrender to wherever he leads you. So what brings me back to Australia is a phone call from Rome. Our mother general uh, called me one afternoon. I was in class and I saw a missed call from, um, from her. And when you see a missed call from the mother general, you kind of get a bit afraid. She's like, why is she calling me? This is not cool. Anyway, she asked me to come back to Australia and be part of our leadership team for our congregation here in Australia. And I said to her, can I have some time to pray about this and to discern? And she said, yes, I'll call you tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> So, sure enough, I said, okay, and uh, I spent that night, I didn't sleep much, I was pretty nervous, and uh, I took it to Jesus, and I realized that I couldn't sit before Jesus on the cross and look at him and say, now, I've taken these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. I talk about wanting to live my life radically and authentically Mm. as a religious, and the first time that I'm asked to do something that pinches at my skin, I start saying no. I didn't feel that I was being authentic and genuine, which is so important for me as a Kenoshan sister. So she called me back at nine o'clock the next morning and I said to her, Mother, do you believe that this is what God wants for me? And she said, as much as I can know God's will, I do believe that this is where God wants you to be back in Australia. So I said, I will go. 
Wow. So I had two months to pack up to say goodbye to the girls. It was the beginning of the new school year. So it was a really bad time as well. But again, our timing is uh, not God's time. Yeah. So I said goodbye. I came back to Australia. And then I, my, so my intention of coming back to Australia was be, to be part of the leadership yeah. of the Kenoshan sisters. And then by chance, uh, Father Morgan Batt, who's known me from my early years as a religious, he saw me at uh, Vocations Expo at St. Stephen's Cathedral in Brisbane. And he said, you're back from Africa. And I said, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm on the leadership of the congregation. He said, what else are you doing? And I said, nothing. He said, do you want a job? And so I said, (laughs) oh, okay. So just like that, I wasn't looking to work with Vocations Brisbane, but uh, it kind of fell from heaven and it was a great opportunity. Mm. So now I feel so blessed to be able to go to parishes and schools and youth groups and share my story and share with young people about how they can discover God's dream for their lives. So whether they're called to married life, to single life, to ordained life, or to religious life, I try and help young people, accompanying them with mentoring as well, Mm. and try and help them discover where God calls them and have the courage to respond. So that's the work I'm doing with Vocations Brisbane. I also work for the St. Vincent de Paul Society, where I'm the Queensland State Spiritual Advisor. So I write reflections for Vincentians and I'm here at ACYF accompanying a group of 21 young Vinnies and uh, helping them to understand what's going on for them in their relationship with God. So I love the ministerial opportunities Mm. I have in Australia. To be honest, I left a part of my heart in Africa. (laughs) So I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know that when my term in leadership is over, we'll see what God has planned next for me in the great dream of following him. Amen. And I guess just um, for, for anyone, you know, who might be discerning or might be thinking about their vocation, um, is there any, like, quick tips that you'd like to share with them? I guess the most important thing is prayer. Yeah. We can't decide our vocation in our heads. Mm. But it's to take it to Jesus. It's to continue to dare to ask the question of, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? Mm. And that might be very different from what I want. It might be so different and it might be scary and it might be rejected by people. When I decided to become a Kenoshan, people didn't talk to me. Really good friends I had, they said, I can't be your friend anymore. I lost so many significant people in my Mm. life. But that didn't matter because I knew that I wanted to radically follow Jesus. Mm. So I kept my eyes fixed on the cross and I was determined in doing that. So I guess it's to pray, first of all, to not be afraid to follow where God calls you, and finally to take a risk. Because I believe many young people might feel a call, particularly to religious life or priesthood, and they might be so afraid and think that they have to be perfect Mm. or worthy. There's no perfect religious or priest, and there's no worthy religious Mm. or priest. We're not there because we deserve it. We're not there because we're better than anybody else. We're there because we've decided that we want to respond to God who takes the initiative. And so I guess it's to say, take a risk, try, because you don't lose anything. There's never a mistake that we make by trying either consecrated life or priesthood, because even if we realize it's not for us, then we discover and we're enriched in our journey of spirituality. Yes. 
Oh, sister, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experiences. Thanks. Um, we'll be praying for you and your, your ongoing work and ministry. Um, and we ask all the Creator listeners to, um, to please pray for Sister Melissa Dwyer, uh, for the Kenoshi sisters, yes. um, for vocation, um, vocations in Brisbane and you know, vocations around the world as well. Um, sister, sister, thank you so much again. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your time. That was Sister Melissa Dwyer with Following the Call of God. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit creadio.org.au.